0: Welcome back to the podcast. We've got another episode for you today. I know it's been a little while since we actually uploaded one. It's been a busy period, um, but we're going to get back into some uh, theological teaching, some exposition of the text today. We're going to look at a um, a piece of scripture that's very well known to many of us. It's called, uh, a lot of people refer to it as the woman with an issue of blood, Uh, it um, comes from, we're going to read it from Mark chapter 5 verse 25 to 34. Let's just open with a word of prayer and then we'll jump into the teaching this morning. Heavenly Father we thank you Lord so much for your word and I pray now that as we just open up the scriptures Lord that you would speak to us, encourage us and edify us Lord by the word of God. In Jesus name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter 5, and we'll read from verse 25 to 34, and then we'll go through and make some comment. It says, A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So this is a very famous story in the Gospels. Most Christians will have an idea and understanding of this passage. However, it's one of these passages that although we know it very well, I think we miss some of the depth of what is actually happening here particularly if we have an understanding of the, uh, we can get more depth if we have an understanding of the the Jewish background for some of the teaching that's going on here. But first let's just mention the woman. You say It says she was a woman who had suffered much and she obviously had this ailment that was continual bleeding and in this day and age obviously I'm sure physicians didn't have too many options. It said she had endured much, I dread to think what these things were, but she'd spent Uh, all of her her money, and she was still in no better condition. Now, this had some consequences for a Jewish woman at this time. It, It would have meant that she was actually permanently considered to be unclean, uh, you can read about the, those laws, the uncle- uncleanness laws in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, but with an issue of blood you would have been unclean. This means you would have been unable to participate in the daily affairs of life. People would not have wanted to touch you, or to even really come near to you, and particularly you would have been actually separated from the religious life of the community of Israel. And obviously this was one of the big things that the community of Israel was called forth to be, that light to the nations, a, a nation that worships the God of Israel. No access to the, court of the women or any of these sorts of things in her state. She was quite literally alone and hopeless. Her situation was absolutely devastating at this time. However, she obviously had enough faith that Jesus was able to heal her, to help her. She knew herself that Jesus was her only hope. And I think this is a good lesson that we have for today. Regardless of our situation in life, of our social standing, or whatever we're going through, whether we consider ourselves outcast or lonely, if we're in the midst of despair and with a seemingly is no way out, the answer is still the same. We take hold of Jesus Christ by faith. It says that Jesus is our hope, doesn't it, in the New Testament? Jesus is still our help, our hope, just as he was to this woman all these years ago, and we can still reach out today and grab hold of him for salvation. It says. You notice in verse. Let's look at verse 26 and 27. uh, She just says she'd grown worse, and then verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Now this is where it gets kind of interesting, and we're going to look at the background here. Now, what is 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 this just talking about? She just randomly grabbed uh, any section of his coat she could grab hold of. Now, in our minds, we immediately think, don't we, of just a, a kind of coat probably that we'd see people wearing today. Obviously, this is not the situation. We even think of some movie that we've seen about Jesus, usually with some sort of very Western-looking man, and he's maybe got a robe on or something like this. So these are not accurate. What this is really referring to is the hem, the fringe of his garment, the corners. Now, this would have been where what they would call a talit or a zitzit in Hebrew. We've got to remember, Jesus was a Jewish man through and through. Okay, We don't often like to think like this, but it's absolutely truthful. We have to have a true understanding of who Jesus was. He obeyed the Torah. He fulfilled the law. Okay, This probably means that the edges of his beard and the sides of his head would not have been cut, according to Leviticus 19.27. His clothing would have been very Jewish. For for one thing, he would have been wearing the Talit, He would have worn the tefillin from Exodus 13.9, which were these things that you wore on your arm and your forehead containing little portions of scripture. It's a high possibility he was wearing them. Now, to understand what the talit is, these things on the corner of the garment, we need to go right back to the book of Numbers chapter 15. And, and let's do this, though. I'll read this. We'll read this text together because it's quite, it's quite exciting. Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 to 41 says this. The Lord also spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, so as to do them and not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you played the harlot, so that you may remember to do all the commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Numbers chapter 15 there. You see, the commandment here is for them to have this, these, um, these cords hanging from the corners of their garment. And these cords were designed, they were, they were basically an external symbol of the Word of God, designed by God to call every Jewish man to remembrance of all the commandments of the Torah, which was the Torah, the Old Testament, the Word of God. Now, a few things would have come from this. Obviously, this served as a public identifier, that, uh, that someone was part of the Jewish community or of the community of faith. And this is why when you see um, in John chapter four, the woman at the well, the Sumerian woman at the well, when Jesus comes to her, she says, how is it you a Jew? And she's just immediately able to recognize from his outward appearance that he was Jewish. Um, And it's probably because of the Talit that he would have been wearing. And now this is, again, another point of good application for us here. They had these Talits that showed them that they were followers of the God of Israel, that they, they held the word of God in high esteem. And there was a lot of tradition, even within Jewish Talmud and the, and the writings themselves, where they would kind of go through the different sorts of people, the ones who were very proud and arrogant and lengthened their talits. We see Jesus engaging in this debate. But the, these were things that were going on within Judaism at, the, at this time. But for us here, we don't wear talit as Christians in this day and age. However, it's a good question for us to ask. How do we behave when people do not know we are Christians? It's much easier to hide when you don't have that visible symbol, isn't it? And sometimes I think we can get away with doing a little bit, of some things that we maybe wouldn't do. Imagine if you were going in your working, in your working in your lunch place, and you go to lunch, you sit down, and you engage in chat with people around around the the lunch table, and you know how these things go. It's much easier to engage with, with conversation you probably wouldn't want to if you're there and you haven't put your Christian flag up, you don't have any visible identification that you're a Christian. But if you imagine walking in, sitting down, and you had your Bible under your arm, the Word of God, and you put it on the table, you know from that moment that you are a witness for the God of the Scriptures, for the God of Israel at that time. And this is the same sort of thing. It's not a perfect analogy, but you get, I'm sure you get my point. We are to witness and represent Christ. Now, we don't have this symbol of the talit, but it's the same sort of thing carrying a Bible. And more importantly, it actually says that it should be our conduct, our love for one another that shows people we are Christians. That's the visible external sign that we have now. So just as the word was the authority, the tzitzit, tzit, the tallit, these these fringes on the hem of the garment came to be a symbol of the authority of God and its wearer, designed to make people remember the commandments of God so that we don't stray so that we don't go against him we're not tempted to sin and we see these things pop out all through the gospels you'll read this little phrase people came to Jesus and they were touching his garment and they were getting healed so there was kind of a miracle power associated with them too and there was an authority invested in them do you remember when uh, David was being chased through the the wilderness by Saul and there was that one episode where Saul's uh, sleeping in the cave in Engedi. And David sneaks in and it says he cut the skirt of Saul's robe. What's that talking about? Just a small corner of the No, no, it's talking about the tallit. He cut off the talit, the symbol of this man's of the authority. Then obviously David uses this to say, I could have killed you, but because your God's anointed at this time, I'm not going to. So he still had respect for that position. But it's, he was making a very, very um, drastic point. And we see this talit this garment, it's sometimes called a mantle, these sorts of things show up at many times. Through the Old Testament. So we see them in the Old Testament, but the Talit has a, a rich heritage within Jewish tradition today. Let me share with you just a couple of stories now. I'll do one modern story from the time of the uh, Second World War and we'll do one from the Talmud from from much earlier in history. And these are just to give you a sample. I'm not necessarily saying that these things are true, although the first one is, is an eyewitness a first-hand account from a survivor of the Holocaust and the second one is a story from the Talmud, I'm sharing them with you just to show you how the Jewish people at this time would have thought about the Talit, the hem of the garment, so that we can understand more what was in the head of this young Jewish lady as she approached Jesus. So let's read this first story. This is how, uh, how the zitzit scared away a Nazi. And this story is condensed from talks and tales. It's a first-hand account of a survivor of Hitler's wars and the Jews. It starts like this. I was lying in a ravine by the side of a railroad embankment in the dead of night. All my bones ached. I had just escaped from the train carrying hundreds of my brethren to the death camp Auschwitz. The rattling sounds of the train were dying in the distance. I had been stunned by the fall, and I don't know how long I had been lying in the ravine. When I regained consciousness and realised that no bones were broken, I thanked God for being alive. Raising my head, I looked around. Hundreds of yards away along the track, I saw the silhouette of a Nazi guard on duty, clearly outlined between me and the woods. A large field lay between me and the woods. I had to get there before dawn. Already the stars were fading. Cautiously, I began to creep towards the woods. Every moment was agony. At last, I found myself among the trees and could breathe with relief. The trees would give me shelter under a cluster of low fir trees. I lay myself down in hiding. With a prayer of gratitude to the Almighty on my lips, I fell asleep. I woke up in the advanced hours of the morning. Very cautiously, I stole a glimpse around. There was neither sight nor sound of man nor beast. I should have preferred the latter anyway. Suddenly, I felt very hungry. For three days, I had no food or water. The pangs of hunger became unbearable. I thought I would die in agony if I did not get some food soon. I got out of my hiding place, and for a moment I stood not very steadily, inhaling the fresh morning air. I knew that I was yet far from free. I would be hunted like an animal or die of starvation. The woods which had seemed so friendly seemed friendly no longer. Fir and pines and nothing else, not even a berry or a blade of grass. I started walking in the distance. I saw a farmhouse. Would I find a human being who would take pity on me? I decided to take a chance. I knocked softly on the door and when it opened I saw a peasant woman stare at me. Then I felt my blood curdle for over her shoulder appeared the face of a Nazi in uniform. I turned and fled, but it was too late. A loud shout of HALT sent chills down my spine, and I collapsed like a bundle of straw. The Nazi kicked me viciously. Get up, Jew, he yelled. Come on, Jew, step lively, march. I was now marching back to the woods, with the Nazi following a few paces behind, and as I walked, I recited the Elenu prayer. It is our duty to praise the Lord of all things to ascribe greatness to him who formed the world in the beginning since he has not made us like the nations of other lands and has not placed us like families of the earth. A serene calmness began to descend upon me. I was not afraid to die. Halt, came the order. About face. I turned around and for a moment the Nazi paused. If he expected me to fall on my knees begging for my life, he was going to be disappointed. Dig, roared the Nazi. I was wondering what I was to dig with. Dig, he roared again. I dropped on my knees and began to dig with my fingers. The soft earth yielded freely, and at last my grave was ready. Then he ordered me to strip. I took off my boots and began to take off my clothes. But when I reached my tzitzit, I stopped. Strip, roared the Nazi, hoarse with rage. No, I said defiantly. I want to die with this garment on me. And the Nazi drew his pistol and aimed. I closed my eyes and whispered the schmar, and waited for the shot. But it didn't come. I opened my eyes. The Nazi was still aiming. His hand was not very steady. What is this? And what are you whispering, he asked, pointing to my tzitzit. These are my sacred witnesses, I said, and they will accompany my soul to the heavenly court and bear witness before the Almighty how I met my death. They will demand retribution for my innocent blood and the blood of my innocent brothers. The Nazi hesitated. His cruel face became visibly worried. He was thinking something he had not done since he joined the Nazi youth. Suddenly he roared, "Scram! To the devil with you! Run before I change my mind!" I stood still. My feet seemed glued to the ground. "Run, idiot!" I was saying to myself. But still I could not move. I just stood there, my eyes wide open, staring at the Nazi. And suddenly he turned and fled. See, this is just one story that illustrates the sort of. Um, thought and understanding that the Jewish people had about the Talit at this time. Let me read to you one from the Talmud. This is from a tractate called Menachot 44. Now this is a little bit more in your face, uh, typical of a Jewish story. It might be a little considered a little insensitive to Christian ears, but please uh, understand what we're trying to illustrate here. Rabbi Natan said, There is no minor mitzvah, mitzvah is a commandment, in the Torah, whose observance isn't rewarded in this world and the next. How much is the reward? Let us use the commandment of zitzit as an example. He then goes on to tell this story. There was once a man who was meticulous in his observance of the commandment of the Talit. He heard that there was a harlot in a faraway city who charged 400 gold talents for her services. He sent her the exorbitant fee and set an appointed time to meet her, and when he arrived at the appointed time, she prepared for him seven beds, one atop of the other, six of silver and the highest one was made of gold. Six silver ladders led to the six silver beds and a golden ladder led to the uppermost one. The prostitute unclothed herself and sat on the uppermost bed and he too joined her. As he was unclothing himself, the four fringes of his talit slapped him in his face and he immediately slid off the bed onto the floor where he was quickly joined by the woman. And she said, I swear by the Roman Caesar, the harlot exclaimed, I will not leave you until you reveal to me what flaw you have found in me. I swear the Jew replied that I have never seen a woman as beautiful as you. However, there is one commandment which we were commanded by our God and Talit is its name. Concerning the mitzvah, the commandment, it is twice stated in the Torah. I am the Lord your God. I am the one who will seek retribution and I am the one who will reward. Now the four Talits appeared to me as four witnesses testifying to this truth. I still will not leave you, the prostitute said, until you provide me with your name, the names of your city, rabbi and the school in which you study Torah. And he wrote down all the information and handed it to her. The woman sowed all her possessions, a third of the money she gave to the government as a payoff so that she could convert to Judaism. A third she handed out to the poor and the remaining third she took with her, along with the silver and the gold beds, And she proceeded to the school, which the man had named the study hall of Rabbi Chia. Rabbi, she said, I would like to convert to Judaism. Perhaps, he responded, your desire is to convert because you have taken a liking to a Jewish man. And the woman pulled out the piece of paper with the information and related to the rabbi the miracle which had transpired with the talit. You may go and claim that which is rightfully yours, the right to convert, this is, the rabbi proclaimed. She ended up marrying the man, and those very beds which she originally prepared for him illicitly, she now prepared for him lawfully. Such was his reward for meticulously observing the commandment of the Talit, and the reward in the world to come, that we cannot even fathom. So you see that's obviously a a cute story designed to illustrate a point here, but it it does show you how uh, integral the Talit was to Jewish life at this time. And I think we miss that as we read the Gospels and particularly as we read that story. So I wanted to share these to give us a bit of background and context for the sort of feeling that these people would have had about um, the Talit at this time. Now, it was also spoke of when you would wrap your, your garment, your outer garment or your prayer shawl, as some people would say, that you put yourself under the wings of God and you're guarded by his Torah there is a, a prayer that's always said when you put on a tallit. This comes from Psalm 36, verse 7. It says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And that they became, the, the, the tallit and the corners, particularly with these little fringes on them, uh, came to be known as wings, because I, I believe it's actually related to the Hebrew word there that you find. So there's a, there's a linguistic argument there. And you may be familiar with the, the passages, the prophecy in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. So this, and now obviously that we probably agree that you can't solely make that interpretation from that text. But just remember in the Jewish tradition at this time, if talits were associated with the term wings and coming under the wings and the refuge of God, and there's a prophecy that the Messiah would come and he would have healing in his wings, if you were going to touch anywhere for healing, it would be the wing of his Talit. You see, this is the thinking that's going on here. And then we also see the, the Talits show up in, in prophecy. Uh, if we turn to the book of Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 20 to 23, this is an eschatological text, one that deals with um you know the future. In verse 20 it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, it will be yet that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favour of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts, I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favour of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Listen to this bit. In those days, ten men from all the nations will grab the garment of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. You see, with all this sort of background and tradition and understanding from the text associated with this part of the garment of of a Jewish man, the Talit, these fringes that were commanded by God to specifically remind people of the commandments of God and came to actually sort of have this representative authority of the word of God. And there was miracles and power associated with them. And we see this happening because... She was healed when she touched them. Is it any wonder that this is where she reached out and she grabbed a hold of this talit, of this, of this uh, fringe of his garment? Because there she saw it as the visible symbol of the word of God, the undergirding of all authority, and in this case, the authority of the actual Messiah of Jesus Christ. And as she grabbed that thing, she grabbed and grasped the totality of God's word. In effect, the very essence of all that God Himself is—the living Word of God. That is who we have now. And she was just in the Jewish context, that is the 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 faith that we see being expressed here. And what a beautiful picture this gives us that we have with this Talit. The imagery of wrapping yourself in the Word of God, as you as they would put these garments on. For us, that's just wrapping ourselves in the Word of God, taking refuge in His name, in His Word, and in His character. It is a powerful and living word as evidenced by these miracles. And for us, we don't have these garments now. We have something so much better. We have the living word of God. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. And in, in Romans 13:14, we don't put on the talit, but it says in the book of Romans that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the living word. You see, you see the parallel here. It just builds us and gives us so much more depth uh, to this passage here. And let's just look at the final verse of Mark chapter five, verse thirty-four, and just see how Jesus ends this episode. He says, "Daughter." Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So she is healed here at this time. But he says, Daughter, it's your faith that has made you well she had faith in the word of God faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God Romans 10 17 you see the parallels again here she reaches out to Jesus Christ and grabs that symbol of authority of the word of God knowing that he is the living word the Messiah who is still strong to save and this is the question and the challenge to us have we grabbed hold of by faith the living word of God Have we been healed from our sin? Have we taken hold of what Jesus has to offer? Quite simply, have we believed in Jesus? As you can tell, this is a very Jewish background into these sorts of scriptures is one of my favorite things. This is our message for today. We might do a few more of these on future podcasts. I'd just like to say I've noticed we've got quite a few international listeners now. If any of you do have any topics you want addressed or any questions, please go to the website at the end. You can just fill in the form and contact me through that, and I'll do my best to try and do a podcast on these things now. Um, If you do enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating. That helps us appear in more and more search engines. But until next time, thank you for listening thank you for listening for more resources please go to thomasfretwell.com